You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. It is incredible how much President Trump continues to dominate the conversation. And as much as on the Sunday shows, I know, for instance, uh, Governor Christie, you know, speaks out quite a bit regarding, um, you know, that someone's going to stand up to President Trump. But the ma- the fact of the matter is no one is standing up to, you know, the president. And I want to go to this is this week. John Carl had a decent panel. Chris Christie, Larry Hogan, former governor of uh, Maryland. But this business of no one, no one is speaking out against him. Running for president, how would potential and real candidates against Donald Trump view that performance at CNN, and also the reaction of that applauding Republican crowd in New Hampshire? Well, it, it, look, it depends on who the candidate is, right? You now we've watched a number of declared candidates and almost declared candidates now who all seem to really not know what to do with them. Um, they kind of cozy up to him. They hope that he implodes and that if they're nice to him, that they'll inherit his voters. It's all this like political science classroom theory um, that they're engaged in, which I think is a losing proposition for any of those candidates, including what Governor DeSantis said. You I mean, DeSantis didn't mention his name, to be look, clear. I mean, he didn't, he didn't say the words Donald Trump. You can't beat Donald Trump by playing bumper pool. And hitting it off three cushions and hope that it goes in, it goes in the hole. Um, it's that's not the way it works, John. And I think they're all making a marked mistake. As to the audience reaction, let's face it: CNN went in the tank to get Trump on there. They allowed him to negotiate who was going to be in that audience, and those were all Trump supporters. I don't care how they introduced them. Those I know a lot of those people in that audience. I spent a lot of time in New Hampshire eight years ago, and a lot of those are the same faces that I saw eight years ago. Though you, you pay no attention to the audience reaction. Those were all people who, in the main, 80% or so were Trump supporters. So you know, that, that was a negotiation deal that the Trump did with CNN. That, that, that's an unfair accusation. When you see President Biden, we're still talking about a Republican primary. So that's, those are the people you're going to have. That's an unfair criticism that some of these people have been leveling. When you have President Biden and in, in he has to go through a primary, you, you have him, if you're going to do a town hall meeting, with potential Democrat voters in the primary. That, that, I, I see nothing wrong with what, nothing wrong with what uh, CNN did with that. Zero. There was nothing wrong with that. This whole business of, of who was in the audience, it was the way it was being delivered. It was uh, the manner and the message on what he was saying. This is um, Larry Hogan now. Larry Hogan, former governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan. Never been a big fan of this guy. But he's trying to break up um, the difference of DeSantis and President Trump. It's governor Hogan. I mean, the, the, the guy has widened his lead. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's really most concerning is that, uh, you know, he he packed the audience, certainly, and CNN allowed him to do that, which uh, you probably should question CNN for how that happened. Uh, But it's not just them. I mean, he's got 50 some percent of the Republican base. And that's what we've, you know, Governor Christie and I are trying to make the case that we've got to move in a different direction, that we've got to move on from Trump. And, um, you know, we've just got to see some uh, candidates step up and get out there and make the case about why we've got to do that. Uh, you talked about Ron DeSantis coming in. I mean, he, you know, he's been trying to out Trump Trump and that's not going to work. I mean, it's like, why would you settle for, you know, Robin when you can have Batman? It's like, you know, it's he, you've got to take Trump on and not just be at a younger, smarter version of Trump. But the fact of the matter is, as much as Larry Hogan, Chris Christie, all of this talk of we, we have to move on. Well, you're not moving on if that's who the Republican voters want. And, and right now, all this business of he packed, what, what do they think it was supposed to be? This whole business of whether or not and who should have been in the audience and that CNN and they caved to him. And CNN didn't do anything different than what some of the others have done. You, have, you, have you ever seen, do you think you'd see Biden in a room full of uh, Republican voters or even independents? This is a Republican primary that we're talking about. And with the Republican primary, it's decided by, you guessed it, Republicans. So therefore, I, that, that type of 
criticism is it's it's unwarranted it it just is and it's it's you know there's a there's a difference and i also saw yesterday meet the press this representative will hurd and he's actually being interviewed whether or not he's going to run for president in 2024 i mean that like what are they talking about it, it, it it's just that guy's not going to make any type of a dent now something that also can't be ignored and people need to remember is you need one percent to be on that debate stage you need one percent to be on that debate stage now meet the press how's the economy doing heading into 2024 this was a good piece on a segment they called data download Welcome back. Data download time. As always, the economy will be a big topic heading into 2024. And like so many issues these days, how well it is doing depends on who you ask and whether they have a D or an R next to their name. So what is the current state of the U.S. economy? Well, the data presents a complicated picture that seems to be more about where people think the economy is going rather than where it is. Because if you just look at where it is, it's doing quite well. GDP growth Look, it started gangbusters when Biden first came into office. This is the post-COVID surge that certainly quickly expanded economic growth. Then we had the inflation dip there. Now we're sitting at just over 1% growth, and it's really being slowed down, our economic growth, by the Federal Reserve to tame inflation. Let's take a look at the unemployment rate. This has been on steady decline since Biden took office. It's down to 3.4%. We still have a labor shortage in this country. Part of that has to do with our lack of compromise on immigration. By the way, this is being felt across the board on unemployment. African-American unemployment is also at an all-time low at 4.7%. And that gap between overall unemployment and black unemployment uh, among the lowest of all time. Now, inflation. This is what has dogged this economy, and this is what has led many people to believe this isn't a great time in this economy. Obviously, we had an inflation rate that peaked in the summer of last year at 9.1%. It is still at 4.9%, much higher than when Biden took office, but it has been on a steady decline, and some people think it'll be down to close to that 2% mark, perhaps, by the end of this calendar year. So, why do people feel uh, bad about the economy? It has to do with overall confidence about where they think the economy is going. So consumer confidence down a bit from March to April. But even but here's why. Consumer confidence went up from March to April sort of in the moment. People said, yeah, the economy is good right now. In fact, better this month than it was last month. But then you ask them, what's it going to look like in six months? And they still believe we are headed to a recession. Now, people have believed this now for over a year and a recession hasn't come. So pessimism in many ways is, is what's making people think this is a bad... You know, they're, they're trying to, whether it be the Biden administration with the border or now if it's with the media about um, the media when it comes to the economy, it kind of reminds me of something that former Mayor Buddy Sands used to talk about. It was the politics of snow. And what he meant about the politics of snow was you can you could um, make job numbers look a certain way. You could kind of manipulate, make education numbers look a certain way. But if so, if but you can't if somebody looks out their window and they can't get out of their driveway because there's five inches of snow on their street or six inches of snow, whatever you, you there's no way around that. The politics of snow where it is exactly as you view it. There's no way you can fudge. You know, it's it's actually not a lot of snow on your street. You look out the window, your street has not been plowed. There's no way around that. It was just one of many uh, observations that he, he knew. He knew politics. And this is a good example of that. They're, the Biden administration, they're trying to say, you know, the border's really not that bad. And even though you're paying how much for eggs and there's still too much money, there was too much money in the economy. There still is. They're trying to, you know, fudge it that, you know, the economy is actually not that bad. And there's still a, a huge lack of inventory with housing, especially in our area, especially in the Northeast. So, but I, I think of when I hear that, the politics of snow, of how they're trying to convince you that things are actually going 
just fine when we know that they're not. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Folks, joining us right now, I think he's an important voice right now in our state. He's got political experience. He's at the Rhode Island State House. He's an independent, which means he doesn't have to kowtow to either party. It is independent representative, and that is, of course, John Brien. Rep, welcome back to the program. I want to start off your thoughts on the big announcement starting 2035. Governor McKee, the state would like to get rid of any normal gasoline-type vehicles. John, thanks for the time. And, uh, boy, what a what a topic to start with. When I read that the other day, and, and I at first I, I didn't think it could be serious, and then when I realized it was, in fact, I had put on Twitter, I thought this was a Babylon Bee article, and then yep. I realized it's not. Um, you know, John, I represent a very interesting district. I have uh, a very urban setting here in Woonsocket and a suburban setting in uh, a small piece of North Smithfield. And in my district in Woonsocket, I have what's known as the Fairmount area. And the Fairmount area is notorious for multifamily homes. I mean, I'm talking three, four, five, six, up to eight family homes. Uh, it's a very dense area. And some of these uh, properties don't have parking, adequate parking for the residents. These people are working class people. So my question is, and I would like to ask Governor McKee and anyone else, who can afford these vehicles, number one? Yep. Where are they supposed to park them? Right. Where are they going to charge them? And it, it, it literally doesn't make sense for so much of the state of Rhode Island. First of all, there's just that aspect, right? Because there's just people won't be able to afford it. There won't be any place to charge it. No. We don't have the infrastructure to support it. But it seems to me the people who are the biggest advocates for this are the suburban, wealthy, liberal yep. representatives and senators who feel – well, yeah, I'll just, I can afford a car and I can get a charging station at my house. So nobody should have gas cars. It's the exact thinking that's driving us into the ground. That is exactly right. And John, do they have any type of plan how individuals in an area like that, how they would adapt to it? Or, I mean, because otherwise I, I don't see how they're going to, you know, be able to accommodate all those individuals. No, there's no plan. John, it just sounds good. It makes people feel good. We're not going to have gas cars coming into the state in 2035. John, that's 12 years from now. What you're going to create is an entire fleet of used cars in the state. People people aren't going to start buying new – people won't be buying new cars. They'll buy used cars, cars that run on gas. The people that have this notion – that we are going to be a carbon-free society, mm. that we are going to be a society that does not use fossil fuels whatsoever, are living in a dream world. Yeah. It's like it's, it's a cultist environmental reality where they just live in an echo chamber. They tell each other these great ideas. They pat each other back at the cocktail parties while they drink their Chardonnay, and they say, what a great idea. And then, you know, and let's do it. And it makes them feel good. But there's no practical reality. I mean, we all know that. Folks, again, we're speaking with Representative Independent John Brien. Now, Rep, also, apparently there's about 55 uh, individuals that are unhoused that have been staying on and off at the Cranston Street Armory. And now Governor McKee has announced that they're shipping these people to the Motel 6 Jefferson Boulevard in Warwick, right off the highway, right with it. There's already 40 people that have they've been putting up since the fall. So now they're going to pay for hotel rooms for these 55 individuals. I'm curious to hear your thoughts 
on this uh, ever-evolving topic regarding the unhoused, the homeless problem in Rhode Island. I mean, is this really the way that we want to deal with it? We no. want to take, the, you know, these businesses, we want to spend taxpayer money to put these people, and I'm not saying that they don't, you know, no, everybody should have a place to go, but to take commercial concerns offline, and that's how we're going to do it. And, and, and that's not a great way of life either. I know it's better than the armory, but John, even to double down on that, I was speaking with Representative Newberry yesterday, with whom I share the town of North Smithfield, um, and his district is contiguous to mine. And it come to find out that they're going to be doing the same in both Woonsocket and North Smithfield. So uh, it, it seems to me that the idea is we don't have a, a real solution, so let's just take this money and put these people in motels around the state, kind of tuck them away and say we've done something and kind of hide them over to the side without solving a problem. No. And the problem is they should – do you know how many buildings there are on uh, you know, on the, the, the campus of um, – in Cranston where the Rhode Island Traffic Tribunal is? There are so many buildings that you could take. You could take you know Memorial Hospital and you could turn that into a giant shelter. There are so many things you could do. Instead, we're spending taxpayer dollars yet again to try to solve a problem that we haven't worked on solving throughout the years. So when it comes down to it, you pay for it. I pay for it, and we all pay for it. And, Rep, but what about the fact, you know, as as Governor McKee was announcing this, I, I have this, I have a problem with this element then where then he's being asked, well, you know, how are you going to feed these people? How are you going to transport them to the motel? Um, like, what, like, what are we talking about? It sounds like the state is basically, like, adopting these adults, taking custody of them, and then you're responsible for, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent, well, you're responsible for, where where are they going to live? Well, how are you going to feed them? How are you going to transport them? Um, wh- why are we getting in the business of basically adopting these adults, and now we're going to be paying their rent for the next few months? Well, John, you make you make a great point, and that was something that I wanted to raise with you as well. Once we once we put them there, then what? Right? Are we just saying okay, we're dropping you off, we're paying for your room indefinitely, and then you're going to be here without any concern of? how they're going to, like you said, how are they going to get about? How are they going to eat? Because that ends up becoming a concern because we become responsible for that. By taking them and plopping them down there on Jefferson Boulevard, we can't just leave them there. So, again, we create a problem by trying to solve a problem, and it ends up costing. It's going to cost way more than if we just would have worked on the problem from the beginning. And it just seems to me that you've got a lot of people in the administration making a lot of money, sitting around doing a lot of thinking and not doing a lot of doing. And I guess that is state government at large, right? I mean, that's how it works. Folks, again, we're speaking with independent representative John Brien. And, Rep, before I let you go, now, again, you have experience at the State House. I'm just curious to hear your thought. Here we are in mid-May. What is the mood up there? Uh, what, are, what are the priorities? The sessions essentially should be coming to a close in just about a month um, give, give us like a pulse of the building right now. Well, one thing we, we, you know, with the, the passing of Senator, uh, Mary Ellen Goodwin, yes. I think the Senate has fallen really behind. So I think that there is not by now, you know, the house hasn't gotten a lot of Senate bills. And mm-hmm. so, uh, that's a concern. So we'll see what happens, you know, does the house just pass the budget and leave at the beginning of June? Uh, so, I mean, I think that bears, Watching, I know that there are some initiatives that the Senate president had uh, put forward that aren't necessarily the same initiatives as that of Speaker Sakarchi. I think, obviously, the focus all session long, the, the one thing we've been talking about is the set of bills that Speaker Sakarchi has been seeking to pass through the House uh, regarding uh, the housing issue here in the state of Rhode Island. Other than that, what you see is a lot of progressive legislation yep. that they're trying to get through. Um, and, you know, it, it comes down, and I've had this conversation with the Speaker and other conservative members. At what point do do we say no? Not we, because I'm not part of the leadership, and I wouldn't be because it's, I'm not even in that party. But at what point do they say no? That We're not doing that. It, it just seems to me that there's a never-ending amount of legislation that's coming out uh, and as far as conservative legislation, common sense legislation, 
you're seeing a lot less of it. You know, I'm not seeing uh, bills. You know, I, I see a lot of bills that come out of committee and hit the floor, John, that I say, this isn't a good bill. I, I can't vote for this. I'm not seeing a lot of bills where the bill hits the floor and I say, wow, this is a good one. Yeah. Like, I really want this bill. I mean, there's really only one bill I've done that with so far, and that was a bill that now you, let's say, you know, John DiPietro, if there's a primary, whether it's a Democrat or Republican primary, if you're an unaffiliated voter, you could just walk in and vote and walk out. You don't have to sign the disaffiliation form or anything. You walk in as an as a unaffiliated voter, you walk out as an unaffiliated voter. And I think that that was a great bill. Yeah. Um, other than that, John, to be honest with you, there's nothing hitting the floor that I'm saying, wow, right. this is a game changer. This is going to really help Rhode Island. The mood right now is what it usually is in May. Let's get the hell out of here. Hmm. Folks, again, he is independent, uh, independent representative, and it is uh, John Brian Rep. Again, keep up the good work. You deserve the platform. Always a pleasure to speak to you, and we'll speak to you again. John, it's great to be here, and I thank you for the time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Next time you have an emergency, think at Med Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atman urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atman urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, that's right, in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. Listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Joining us right now, independent voice, independent columnist, opinion maker one of my siblings it is donna perry and dj let's start off with there's still reverberations from that cnn town hall meeting you have the new head of cnn jeff zucker's gone and you know let's do a reset and so they have caitlin collins uh they certainly get a lot of pushback it was in new hampshire president trump it was also i i think i think a lot of the criticism is unfair only because it, it's it's what they normally would do, which is there's going to be a Republican primary, so you get Republican-leaning voters to be part of it. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, and they're actually calling some people out that have been very, very critical of the network. Yeah, and, and good to be with you, John. Um, I, I saw a lot of that. Uh, of the broadcast. Um, there were moments that um, my first instinct was I, I was wincing a little bit. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like there were moments between her just um, riling him up. And then he, it did give him an open the floodgate, let's face it, for him to relitigate the whole thing. But you know what? The, CNN set it up like that, John. And yes. so now this internal fight, a lot of their staffers are kind of missing what has really gone on. CNN, there's a new sheriff in town, this Chris yep. Leitch, a leech or light. Um, he is the opposite of Jeff Zucker. He looks at ratings, and, and I think he just felt, listen, as you said, like him or hate him. You, you can't, Trump appears to be leading as the Republican who may be the candidate for the White exactly. House. You're yes. not going to not air a major you know, New Hampshire of all places event with him. So number one, there's that. Um, and I, I also would note, John, and you've been in the media game for so long, you know, when someone at a network level, it just because you are quote, their media reporter, right? you and I know it is not the game that you're going to rip apart your own network. I mean, no. you know, that's a charade. 
um, that is not how it's done. And, you know, so I do think the reports that we're seeing, and that was a long piece in the Washington Post, obviously he fed it to them. And, you know, that the top brass said you were too emotional and you're criticizing the network. Um, Look, they planned it out. They set it up. Kristen, Caitlin Collins is like a top uh, political anchor for them. Um, They wanted to do it. And, John, let's face it. This is where it's so disingenuous. The guy is a media reporter. He knows his network wanted the fireworks between her and Trump. And that's what they got. Yes. You know, she didn't sit there and said, let's look at any policy proposals you have. (laughs) You know, let's look at that, Donna Perry, because, I mean, you've been you've been uh, you were a female political type of reporter. First of all, what what did you make of the, the how, how did she do in your eyes? You know, um, so that's the thing. I felt from the get-go, um, she, she did, I would say, a passable job for what, that's a very difficult position because yes. he, he can just eat people alive. Um, and, and by the way, let's be honest, to be fair to Trump, John, he knew exactly what he was going to, what he was doing. Yes. Um, there should right? be no surprise. No surprise. He's in New Hampshire. They get people who still love him. They were stacked yeah. in the audience. Yes. And so I think it's just disingenuous for CNN to pretend. But they're not even saying that's not what the network is saying. You know, this is an inside guy who he's John. The Zucker era is over at that network. You right. know, and all the, the Oliver Darcy's who may well not be in a job at CNN. You might want to. You know, I think that's not a tough prediction. Um, you know, that Jeff Zucker had a vendetta against Trump and he drove the network to the far left, or he certainly drove it to be just chase the Trump administration for the yes. whole time. And right. this guy knows what the ratings are and the CNN has deteriorating ratings. So right. I would say the my sense of how she did, again, I think... It was a tough thing to straddle, but I think, um, you know, she, I will say, to to be fair to her, she herself did not come across overly emotional. She stuck, you know, she pretty much stuck to the points and and that are now verbatim and they're almost very, it's very tiring now, John, I think, just to talk about it. Yes. And she tried to stick to that. But there were moments that I thought she actually could have gotten a little more fire from him early and just, you know, go on about, say, hey, you and DeSantis. Like, I felt like it was actually tiring to watch them banter. Yeah. Right? Did you get that sense? Like, and, and I did. I, and, Donna yeah. Perry, what do you make of the fact that this, he is right now the leading Republican candidate for president? He is double down on all his positions. He's talking about pardoning some of the J6 people. He yeah. won't say whether he wants Ukraine to win the war against Russia. He completely stays with 2020. I mean, part of it, so all she can do is ask the questions. How that is then going to play among the electorate will, will be left right. to be decided. But the, you're talking about, he, you know, he's not going to change his no. positions. No, and, and this is a politician at this point. If anyone doesn't, uh, you know, John, he is not going to give one inch and no. he's not going to give an inch to the media. And he no. especially is do, he could care less with the likes of CNN, which he did yep. feel um, went over the top, would repeatedly. He used to say to her, actually, and, and some of their CNN correspondents, he would say, oh, it's a you know, this is like presidential harassment. Right. Um, they would never let anything go. And, and he felt yep. that they were very unfair to him. So he's never going to give an inch. And he is um, a major political figure. I mean, they, right. and so to, to pretend that they're not going to air it. And I, I do think that one other thing about CNN and Trump that I think what is what makes some of the insiders bristle is many people regarded they, the CNN more than anyone, some people feel, actually helped get him elected in 2016. They, exactly. There was, yes. Every rally he did, they covered wall to That's wall. That's right. Yes. And we all yeah. remember that. He's good. Why, John? You and I know the game. He's, He's good excellent ratings. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And did bring them numbers. It is interesting. It's well, apparently it delivered a little over three million, three point three. Still won the night, won the time slot, beat Hannity. 
But ABC's David Muir, I mean, the nightly news still dominates. He gets 7 million viewers each night yeah. uh, doing the nightly news. And then right. Lester Holt comes in number two, around 6 million, and CBS, 5 million. So with all the talk about the pundits and the power of cable news and so forth, when you add those three broadcasts up, and think about right. that, because all the networks are doing it, you're still talking about an unbelievable size audience of of 18 million. Now, Donna Perry, um, folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 401- 305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and cbd products natural skin care it's my health pop in and see marie 1099 menden road in cumberland there's things for your pets there's things for your children there's things for your health stay healthy at it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland again call marie 401-305-3585 diagonally across from davenport restaurant We're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker Donna Perry. So, DJ, um, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, who obviously to me has had some stops and starts, hasn't fully announced yet. But I'm curious to hear your thought on this fight that he's picked. Bob Iger, who has now come back into the fold in Disney. And, you know, Disney can certainly step up to the plate and hire some pretty powerful attorneys. But you, you just got to get the sense that, you know, careful what you wish for. It, it sounds like Iger and Disney, they're really doubling down. And DeSantis, I, I still maintain, I don't think this is the battle you want. You know, this is kind of fascinating to watch. Yes. I, I mean, it's, it's two heavyweights. but And I would say, you're right, um, the long career of, of this C, former CEO, I mean, the fact that, John, they kind of have pulled him out of retirement. Yes. You know, he had hit, and he was a major name, and, you know, ABC. I mean, God knows, you know, the guy had earned his retirement. I mean, there wasn't, over the years, uh, if you read what all that he his career brought forth, there was not um, a problem. He was one of those, John, like a fixer, you know, like they could yeah. just... He positioned them. Um, he just he did a lot with the studios and and the Marvel movies, and he, you know yeah. he's just like huge visionary. But but one thing about a guy like that, JD, they know the brand, and they know who is their consumer and who is the audience, you know. And so I think it's it's it is a gamble for DeSantis. Disney is such an American, you know, iconic. Um, right. you know, like the, the theme parks are really a part of America. It'd be like, you know, you're going to fight is. McDonald's and you're going to yes. tell everyone in America in the middle class, don't go to McDonald's. You're not going to win that. So I think there's a lot of a gamble here. I would say, I would say this, um, the fact that the, the company has gone to the lengths to bring a guy of his stature, they may see this as having a long battle. They also are looking at it like, I think, John, they're trying to say, they were a little bit asleep if you follow some of the coverage of this. Not asleep, but like to see the, the depth that DeSantis's campaign has somehow decided that they're going to look good by making Disney like a bully and also on these very difficult and like sensitive issues on the, on the whole gender debates that most corporations kind of would shy away from. Um, And so I think in this case, though, you know, this parental rights legislation, I I do think it's a gamble for both sides, though, John, because, you know, I I think that what DeSantis's team is going to try to set up, they're going to say, like, well, you know, you're using your company's massive, you know, leverage and might to go against parents. Um, And and the, the issues we as we know, there are millions of American families that really didn't want 
things to go in this direction with their kids or their family, John. So right. I, I'm, I would not say that DeSantis is totally not seeing this the right way. I okay. think the gender issues and more than that, I shouldn't, I think the parental rights issue is going to play high in 2024. Now, yeah. however that falls down, we'll see. But, um, you know, the fact that D- Disney is, again, pulling out a guy who, who had a great track record with them, pulling him out of retirement. The other guy, I think they felt, was not understanding the depth of where this issue could go. Hey, you you're know? talking yeah. high-level attorneys and deep pockets and... I think he should be cautious in getting into a big fight with them. Now, Donna Perry, closer to home, what are we to make of right now what's happening with the Massachusetts Republican Party, the direction of the party? Yeah. And also, you know, Jeff Deal and his relationship and just, you know, let's let's face it, that that run for governor, you go back to, you know, you and I questioning the some of the decisions and strategy where he would not talk to the the mainstream media and you know now you have you look at trump's going on cnn but touch on the mass gop and, and jeff deal yeah well so this is kind of has bubbled up um it was out there i guess in recent weeks and now it's gotten very ugly so the, there's a fight going on there's a lot of money at stake between the mass gop and it really falls into the lap of someone who has, John, been at the helm of the mass GOP, Jim Lyons, who at this point, a lot of people feel like his time has not, at this point, is not, you know, bringing dividends for the party. And then against the deal campaign. And what's, what happened is the deal campaign was sending invoices for like media services, which get very expensive, especially there's a couple of consultants um, you know, Boston area. And, and they are saying they are owed, I believe the amount is over like 600,000 or something like that. Um, they are saying they're owed and the invoices are squarely fall into the mass GOP's, you know, lap. The party is saying, no, 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 this is the deal campaign owed the consultant. It should, it was not the state party. That would be owing them. So this is a lot of money, and it's wow. now gotten legal, um, oh. and it's so it's very ugly. Um, and obviously, the deal campaign says there is zero in the war wow. chest because when a campaign closes, right, um, there's nothing in there. And I believe there's a bill of like four hundred some thousand, and I think the total is like six hundred thousand. And you know, there's a lot of um, the money in dispute going around in this story. But I think John. So a couple of things on this. I think that who's been the chairman of the Mass GOP in all due respect, Lyons, and then I think Jim, you know, Jeff Deal. Um, these guys are not what the future of the state Republican Party needs to be, in my opinion. Um, you know, I've been part of a local GOP, yeah. um, you know, town committee and, and there's a lot of good people. And there were a lot of people who really were not behind deal. Um, mm. and they felt he, you know, the governorship race, he kind of ran a one track yes. thing. And, you know, if you're in Massachusetts of all places and you're going against Maura Healy, um, I had talked about this. There were, there were, and there continue to be, uh, valid issues that a Republican, in my opinion, in this state, you got to be more in a Charlie Baker That's uh, right. brand. I mean, Baker did did get in there for eight years. Yes. So it's not like a Republican can't win. That's not true. Um, and, you know, Healy and my just kind of skated right in there. So a deal, you know, they were just on like and you and I have talked about this. They were kind of like parroting the national platform. Yeah. That's not that's not going to work in Massachusetts. This and is not. Didn't. No. You know, this is in Alabama. It, I mean, you know, so um, but now they have this really messy fight going on. And, and again, I think what it what could end up coming out of this is Republican town committees around the state. I think they need to get a little more vocal. I think Jim Lyons time has passed and I, I don't think he's got any new tricks up his sleeve. They, oh. they, he did. They, John, they're trying to rerun a Trump playbook from 2015. Um, that's not where it's at and, you know, coming up to 2024 and, and, you know, there's not going to be Republicans in any influential posts in the state. Um, if you don't get 
a different brand of leadership of the party. And as we say, there are states, well, look at DeSantis, look at lots of places. Um, Florida is not exclusively um, a Republican state. People lose sight of that, right? That's That's a very strong Democrat stronghold. So the idea that a Republican who is being run the right way, who is moving issues to the center... Um, who is pointing out a lot of lapses in the Democrat strategy. Um, And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the mass state house, John, that if you had smart Republican leadership, you could really exploit those issues. That's right. So I just think that's where this fight and it is over money and they can, you know, on a, on a deal campaign, but they've, they've got, it's got to get resolved. But I think it's showing that, as I say, I think the chairman of the party um, this is not good. That's half a million. You have a lot of people who feel, you know, John, that will, that will not help future donations to the state no, party. That's right. Like of all things. And like in many of the new England States, um, you know, it's tough enough, as you know, like in Rhode Island, it's tough enough to get money and good candidates. That's right. So this and is very unfortunate. You. Yeah. Speaking of 24, um, how much do you think, you know, this is good? Biden administration. I mean, the price of everything is still bad. He's not getting better. They put him out of the photo op on a bike yesterday on Mother's Day. Of course. But I think, (laughs) you know, the problem with the the border is they're trying to give numbers saying the border is better than it was. You look at the mass of people. It's not. I'm just wondering your thought on will this be, as they say, a choice election or is this 24 going to be a referendum on President Biden and whether or not he gets four more years. Right. Well, from his team, nothing will make them happier if Trump is not the Republican, uh, you know, candidate. See, because then they feel it just becomes people hold their nose. They don't like Trump. And, you know, that that's their perspective. I think, um, you know, to say that it's a referendum on Biden, then they're in some trouble. Um, you know, and I, I just think that that they're going to be able to play, use the playbook of having him a little duck and duck and hiding. Um, and they want this Republican noise on the other side. But as you say, like, I think the border is completely out of control, no matter where you come down on that. And they're flying. We, I mean, this is, the coverage is not hidden. This is New York Times saying they're flying migrants all over the country they're just taking them because they don't want the they don't want the visuals they don't like all that the optics and it runs all over social media and people literally just pouring walking in we but we've been talking about this for well over you know how many months over years um and they can't get control of it and now you know when when you drop title 42 and then um, I mean, they don't know how to resolve it, John. And no. it's amazing that the Republicans, if they can't knock out his um, chief, the Homeland Security chief and, and like, you know, the, no one, yeah. Mayorkas, they don't have control of it. They, they're, they're trying to hide the migrants. They fly them. They put them on a plane. Everyone knows that most of these people are never going to show up in a court no. with a summons. Yeah. So there's no other way to define what that is, that they are illegal people and they're just coming into the country. That doesn't make you a racist. It doesn't make you anti anyone. It's just a fact. So I think it's going to depend on, again, the coverage is for anyone to see. But, you know, we'll see what other issues, um, you know, bubble up. I, I mean, I also think there's some sense if you look at last summer i think um they i think this president is hoping to have a lot of time off this summer yes, yes. <laughs> i mean you know he he Maybe. looks he needs every break he can get i think yep. that they're trying john i think to just sort of inoculate him from any of the heavy lo- lifting yeah i mean you can see it going on like i mean right. people who are honest they cover his schedule it's very light and I think they just want him to, you know, like the other, the staff handles the meetings and, you know, he has to come in for photo ops. Right. Um, but they're going to try to have him rest because yeah. if, if they're, they're saying he's going, he's going for 2024. Yeah. So this is going to be, we will see how this shakes out. But I think the border 
um, you know, it is the way it is. It, it is just n- not in, no one has control of it. Um, no. and that to me should be an issue that would rile up the public. We'll see. I think that in the economy. Folks, again, she is independent columnist, opinion maker. It's Donna Perry. DJ, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. You bet. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink. Always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area. There's normally a game on and a nice group of people there or you could sit out in the dining room don't forget the nice weather they have the deck open the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln delicious food and drinks awaiting for you i'll see you at the lodge you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com well um Check out the website, tepetro.com, simply because yesterday afternoon, huge police activity situation in Coventry. You can uh, see it all. Well, Coventry has been the center of attention lately. Incredible. As far as uh, unique police stories and also just police activity, plus you had the murder, uh, Carbuncle Pond. Check it all out at the website, tepetro.com. Let's go to city of Warwick. Uh, this story is embarrassing, but it's embarrassing because of the McKee administration, what they're planning on doing, and what they're basically the state is going to start to do is the state is essentially going to start to adopt adults and take care of them at Motel 6 in Warwick. I kid you not. Listen to this interview with uh, Channel 12. Him to stay because it's not right that he served our country. Now he's going to be sleeping in the car. We're going to be all right. I don't see that we're going to be all right. I don't want to be all right, but I don't see that you're going to be all right. That's what bothers me. I'm concerned about you, not me, you. As a veteran's you. We'll be all right. So these people, because they're going to be moving the homeless people to Motel 6 in Warwick, people that are there were initially told they had to move out. Listen to this number. By the way, the, the mayor of Warwick needs to speak out louder. So there have been um, 40 have, that have been li- living there since last fall. 40 homeless people living at the Motel 6, Jefferson Boulevard, right off the highway in Warwick. <clears throat> Listen to this. Just 40 of them. They're about to ship 55 more there. So there's going to be close to, plus they all bring friends and so forth. So... It's going to be close to 100. The city's police department officers have responded. Now, this is since last fall, 40 of them were there, homeless people, whatever we're calling them. They're not homeless because then there's people who choose not to work or pay rent. 300 calls at the Motel 6, Jefferson Boulevard, Warwick. Since those 40 moved in, do the math on that. 300 calls since the fall. And officers have conducted 225 direct patrols. So if you have 300 calls with 40 homeless people and you have another 55 coming in, you might as well just set up a precinct right there at the Motel 6 Jefferson Boulevard. This is absolute insanity. And the state's going to pay for them to be there. The state, this this is Rhode Island. Your tax dollars, by the way. Governor McKee is now going to be paying people who don't want to pay rent, who refuse to work, who are, excuse me, choose not to work. Therefore, they don't have money for rent. And Governor McKee has decided that they're essentially adopting these people. So that's going to, boy, that should do a lot for business. Can you imagine? Yeah, that should be great. So there are already 40 there. 55 more coming. I don't know how these people are staying in business. By the way, I don't know who would want to, want to, excuse me, stay there. I'm not sure who exactly would want to be saying, yeah, I think we'll stay there at the homeless hotel. As I was saying, you know, that used to be a place, Tom Bodell, right? Clean, comfortable room, 
We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6 was no frill. It wasn't great, but clean, comfortable room. Now, it's essentially just becoming for those who choose not to work. Here is, I believe, the uh, NBC10. They also did a story on it. And we'll have some audio of it. But the mayor of Warwick, I mean, I don't, I don't think he looks good here in any way. I think he, uh, I think the, the mayor looks bad. Here we go. Good evening, I'm Patrice Wood. Nice to have you with us. I'm Dan Janik. And as we reported last night at 11 o'clock, they're still accepting reservations from mm -hmm. the public. NBC10's Katie Benoit is live there now with what lawmakers say about this situation. Katie? Dan and Patrice, about 50 homeless people are set to move into this hotel over the next couple of days. Officials are wondering if that means police will have to start coming here more. Motel 6 in Warwick is becoming a temporary home for 55 people currently staying at the Cranston Street Armory. There's already 40 other homeless people living here at the motel. Mayor Frank Bacosi says he's concerned there might be an uptick in EMTs and might police be. having to respond here. Yes, I'm very concerned about the costs. I mean, you know, like I said, we're stretched thin and uh, we be. have to worry about public safety uh, for all residents. So, you know, we can't be shorthanded because of calls there. We'd have to put extra personnel on, which would result in overtime, which would get very costly. Data from the Warwick Police Department shows there were more than 300 calls for service since October to Motel 6. Police say the calls are often drug or mental health related. There were 18 arrests in that time. We're definitely interested to see the increase of call for service. There's certainly potential for that. Anytime you bring more people into an area, you create the potential for more calls for service. Open Doors Rhode Island is a service provider for this site. They say there'll be full-time security on site and a curfew. And we're confident that the project can have a minimal burden on the community with the level of staffing and security that we have in place. Bogosi says he's spoken with Governor Dan McKee about the situation and is looking for possible funding to help with police and fire response. Officials are looking at data from when the Nilo Hotel was a temporary shelter. Calls there are way down now from a year ago. Meanwhile, the police department says they're making some changes to their tracking system. So that we can track this and monitor it and see how we can allocate resources Insanity. most appropriately moving forward. Ridiculous. Now anyone can still book a room here at Motel 6. Oh, yeah. And coming up at 6, hear about another homeless shelter that could potentially be coming to Providence. Live in Warwick, Katie Benoit, NBC 10 News. Oh, yeah, I'm sure people are lining up right away, bookings.com, to get a room there. This, this, Folks, is this leadership to you? This is Governor McKee. This is his way. All right, let's get them out of Providence. We're going to ship them to Warwick, pay for them to live. Guess what's going to happen? Do you think these people are actually going to find jobs in employment? Over the course of, what, the summertime? <laughs> With a free place to stay on Jefferson Boulevard? They're not going to. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. This portion of The John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor. Your best lawn ever guaranteed. And I can tell you, with my own experience, what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code. Your best lawn ever. Guaranteed. It's Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. You can call them, 401-392-1025. But log on to their website, LawnDoctor.com. <laughs> 